right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Something Super Podcast. I'm Steve. And I'm Mark. And guys, this week we are going to go over one of the hottest shows on Amazon Prime right now, and that is Invincible. So it's based on a comic from 2003. It's when it got its start. I honestly never even heard of it, but I am absolutely captivated with this show. So, Mark, let's hear what you think about it so far. So when I first heard that they were doing a TV show, I remembered hearing about the comics like way back. Obviously, this is we're going on, what, 17 years now the comics have been out. Yeah. So for about half our lives, yeah, the comics have been a thing. And when it came out, I, I like I, I saw I'm like invincible. Like, that sounds so familiar because like I knew it wasn't like an original project. So, but I was like, you know what? It looks cool. Obviously, me and you are fans of the boys which is another like comic that's kind of geared more towards more adult themes. So for me, I was like, okay, this is cool because obviously in the boys, you know, you have all this crazy stuff happening, but it's live action. You know, it costs a lot of money for special effects, all that kind of stuff to where with a comic or with a cartoon, you can do whatever the hell you want. I mean, go watch Zoids, go watch Gundam, go watch Dragon Ball Z. Like, you can do whatever you want in a cartoon as far as animation, action, all that kind of stuff. So for me, I was like, okay, this is going to open like a whole new world. And you know me and I'm a fucking nerd when it comes to the DC animated movies. I've seen God almost every single one ever, including the TV series that they've done that were cartoons. But like, there's just so much that you can do. And especially if you're going to tackle like, more pressing themes like they do in this one that we'll get into, especially when it comes to Omni-Man. Like, you can do a lot of that without worrying about it being too gore. Like, yes, it's very gory, but it's not like real-life gore. It's like cartoon gore, which makes it a little bit easier to watch. Yes. So, I like the fact that you, you know, hit on the concept of it being a cartoon. Because that sort of unshackles you from the live-action casting. You know, we were just talking, you know, before we started recording, the cast list is star studded and absolutely phenomenal. And I don't think they could have done much better. No, next, and, it's next to perfect. No. And, and even taking the fact that, like, this is from 2003. So some of these people may have been acting then, which is cool. But if every character just happened to look like they're the voice actor or actress that's, you know, mirrored to them, like it, oh, oh my God, it is phenomenal. And I, I mean, from Mark to Omni-Man to Amber Bennett, like every single person that plays a major role in this show was knocked out of the park. I have zero, I don't think I have any complaints about the casting. Yeah, no, and I mean, just all through season one, and just quick disclaimer, we are going to be talking all about season one, so if you haven't finished it, you haven't watched it, go finish it, come back and keep listening, because there are going to be spoilers, but I mean, the cast is just ridiculous. I mean, Nolan Grayson, aka Omni-Man, voiced by J.K. Simmons, is like perfect, and the fact that literally Omni-Man just looks like someone just drew a cartoon of J.K. Simmons from Spider-Man 1 as... Uh, J. Jonah Jameson, like literally it's, it's literally copy and paste when it comes to that, like, but just the characters and the little subtle differences that they do, like, like they made Darkwing, which is like their Batman is 
black, which is awesome because a lot of people have been wanting to see a black Batman. And you have like all these other like people that are like, oh, okay, like they have counterparts, but but it's like. So what I, I think is funny and interesting, and obviously, you know, we've talked about this show for a couple weeks now since we found it and started watching it. It is the easiest way to make, I mean, you know, the boys did it. They make fun of the Justice League. They have mm-hmm. all of those characters that fit those bills. I mean, Christ, they have someone named Warm Woman, which is Wonder Woman. You Pretty know, much. they have Martian Man. Christ. Martian Man Hunter. Martian, literally Martian Man Hunter. Like <laughs> the Red Rush, the Flash, Dark Wing. I mean, if y'all can't guess it, that's Batman. You know, the immortal. And he's he falls sort of under like the Superman-esque role. Uh, I, I, you know, again, their powers are similar. I don't think he has like the laser vision and ice breath and all those other fun things that Superman can do. But like that is, you know, Omni-Man, I think, would fit more the Superman role than uh, the immortal. See, I took the immortal as more of like a play on Vandal Savage. Sure, I can see that. I don't. No, Vandal Savage can fly, but I I like the the concept. There's so many iterations. I think that there's something where he got some kind of talisman that gave him like that kind of a power. But no, he's basically like his whole thing is that he's just immortal in the DC universe. I mean, he was Genghis Khan. He was yeah. Julius Caesar. Like every big time bad guy in history. Lead, like pretty much like every historical like tyrant was the yeah. same guy as what they allude to, and then that guy being Vandal Savage to where. With the immortal, like he gets his head cut off, they kind of like reattach it, and then he comes back to life. And then at the end, you see them kind of piecing him back in half. So my assumption is he'll make a return. So I'm wondering if in season two he's going to be kind of like a Steve Rogers at the end of like Age of Ultron, where like he walks in and he, Steve Rogers is training the new Avengers. That would be interesting. I'd like to see that. So I don't know if like they'll bring him back in or if he's just going to go berserk again, like he did at the end in the finale this time where he's just, he's just straight focus. Where's Omni-Man? And that was his only focus was I'm going to try to kill Omni-Man. And obviously, you know, they didn't directly parallel it, but that is the same effect as like the Lazarus pit. Yeah. Like they brought him back and he was just like murderous rage. And obviously the last thing you remember before the lights got shut off was your head was chopped off after watching all of your teammates and friends get murdered straight murder. Like, and the, the funny thing is, is that this shows that Superman's restraint alone. If you took, so Omni man doesn't, he doesn't have like the invincibility that Superman has, but he also doesn't have kryptonite. So the earth doesn't make him strong or, you know, weak or there's nothing that stops him from being powerful. He was right, like on his own planet on Viltrum, like they have all their powers. Unlike Krypton, where it was kind of like, okay, the atmosphere makes Superman a god. Yeah. So that's I like that spin on it. Is he's powerful no matter where he is in the galaxy. And it's just oh my god, like it's wild. But I mean the trailer alone got me to want to watch this show. And I watched like the scene where Omni Man just killed the the justice league you know the defenders of earth and holy shit like that sold me right there i was like this is it i gotta watch this it's brutal it's violent it's funny i mean it's hysterical for how much 
with how dark of a show it is, the comedy that they put in is perfect. Like, I mean, you got Rexplosion, which is to me probably one of the funniest characters with a banner that he can have with almost any other character in the show. Yes. And I think that's strictly because of his, you know, the voice actor, uh, Jason Mansukas, who, you know, if you've seen the league, if you've seen Big Mouth, I mean, he's played uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. He is always that funny character, and typecast him to death, please, because I love him as an actor. He's fucking hilarious, uh, dude. He has so many. Like honestly, like I feel like he's one of the shining star. Like guys, his character doesn't do too much in the show, but it's the comedy that he brings. Like. I remember one of like the first things that had me like just honestly I was dying was when they're fighting the aliens. I think it's in episode two, and it's either episode two or episode three. And you know, like Mark comes back and helps out, and at the end he's like, "Dude, I take back everything I said about you," and I said a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and then what is this? Like, please don't hurt me. <laughs> like, it's it's so funny. Yeah, and then like when they're trying to get when they're drafting the new defenders when he's talking with the monster, what is it, Monster Girl? Yeah. Is that her name? Yeah, and she's like, isn't there like an age requirement to be on this team? And she looks and she's like, Isn't there a dick size requirement to be on this team? I'm just like, dude, like these people are just savages. Like Oh yeah, 110%. And that's I think what drew me to the show was not only the fact that it's it's superheroes, it's superheroes that I've never, you know, we've never seen before. This isn't, you know, your, your classic Superman retold. Like, this is an entirely different set of heroes and villains. And it, just the way that they tackle everything. And again, like I said, it, it very much is the Justice League offshoot, just like the boys. But the way they do it is, is masterful, at, at the least. Oh, and I like that they do like the post credit scenes because it like I literally the first episode I was sitting there watching I was like okay this seems like it's gonna be a pretty cool show and then it goes to like two or three seconds of credits and then it goes to the scene where everybody gets called back to the you know their hangout and Ani Man just slaughters them and I was like holy shit because that was again it was like a 10 minute like scene usually like I'm used to Marvel it's like oh it's gonna be like a 30 second teaser that leads into something else no it's like, oh, the show's not over yet. <laughs> and yes. I mean, I, I personally love that kind of a layout, but overall in season one, like, what did you think as far as the story that they, that we got the, cause they did a good job of like setting up different characters, histories and establishing like who they are, where they're from, what they're doing yes. from so, main characters down to background characters. Absolutely. So I loved season one. I think it gave just enough taste to who is invincible, which by the way, my, one of my favorite parts of the show is Mark never says his name. Every time the character Mark goes to say the word invincible, they cut to the opening credits or something like the one time she shuts the door on his face. Like, so, and each episode, the credits get bloodier and bloodier because it's just a trail of, dead bodies from Omni man but take that out like season one was great there I, I have a couple little you know nitpicky type things that i could have said about it but overall i'm you know nine out of ten right out the bat like i i loved it 
there was just enough episodes, eight episodes, just enough to say, like, I want more. Like, I need more at this point because now you've got me hooked enough that I want to know further. They have the, you know, quote unquote Justice League, which gets murdered. They have like the Teen Titan-esque groups of kids that are all superheroes that are around the world. They didn't really even say like a lot of these people, they don't give you like the backstory. How do they get their power? Like obviously Darkwing, who is this world's Batman, is just, again, I don't know if he's rich. They didn't really go into that. But he's a guy with no superpowers. He's just kind of got gadgets and shit, which is kind of cool. But I I want to see how a lot of these people got their powers. We know Omni-Man and Mark uh, are Viltrumites. So they, they're born with it. It's in their blood. But like, are the other people on Earth like Adam Eve or, you know, Rexplosion or you know, Monster Girl is a, is a curse. So we know her backstory. But I mean, hell, the, the biggest twist was Robot, who is actually a person controlling a robot. Yeah, so. no, I mean, that, I feel like between Omni-Man's true backstory, Robot's backstory, and then at the end, like, after, like, the world sees Omni-Man for what it is, and, you know, Mark's out at the Burger Mart with Adam Eve and, uh, oh, God, what's his friend's name um, uh william william and amber and they're like everyone's like oh dude like we know you're invincible like it's funny that like he wears a mask and like everybody figured out who he is but adam eve's in there she's like so he's like can we just change the topic and she's like well i'm adam eve and they're like what <laughs> and what i also think is funny is conversely <laughs> omni man does not wear a mask at all and does nothing to like Hide his identity. Yeah, nothing with his face. And no one has any fucking clue who it is. See, for me, I feel like that comes down to, like, I don't think he, like, as no one, he really goes out in the world. Like, I don't think he's like Superman, where he has a job as Clark Kent, and he has his, like, friends, family. Like, he's either out in the world as Omni Man, or he's, like, just sitting at home, or he's... So... Yes and no. He travels, I think, to other countries, which, again, wouldn't know as much about Omni-Man. I guess, you right. know, like if, if you went to like a small town and in, in, I think he goes to Italy for like dinner one night. It's, you know, they're not going to maybe they don't have the news that goes on in America or wherever. So they're not going to know his face like everyone else would. But the flip side of that, he they tell you what his career is. He's a travel writer. So I guess a lot of the work, you're correct. A lot of the work he does is from home. He just writes books about traveling the world, which is cool because, again, he does that. So um, Zazie Beats, who plays Domino in the Deadpool movie, is Mark's girlfriend, Amber. That was a great casting. I liked the fact that it showed you, similar to Spider-Man, like the keeping your secret identity and trying to keep a, a normal life and a relationship. And when you're in high school, like those things matter to you. So it, it showed the hardships of like, I want to do the greater good, but I also want to be a kid. Right. And at, at one point, Adam Eve decides that she doesn't even want to be a superhero anymore. And she's like, I want to go like help people instead. And her powers are like wild as shit. They're like Raven, basically. Yeah, she's like a Raven and Starfire kind of combination. Yes. She is definitely the very girly aspect that the pink, like which is Starfire. She has the 
like lasers that are like starfire but she can conjure things out of like nothing which is more raven style which i thought was pretty cool um and then you have again just like everyone in this show played their role and played it well oh yeah and i mean even like I like the fact, too, that it's like throughout the whole thing, like you get introduced to so many different villains, but none of them ever carry like an overarching story yet. Other than maybe you could say the Mauler twins. So I liked the concept of that because they are called the Mauler twins, but they had I don't know if they started out as twins again. Not much of a backstory. I don't know if they were born and there was two of them, but every time one of them dies, they just clone themselves. And then they argue about who's the clone and who's not. And like, that's like their thing. But I would have to do some research, but I wouldn't say it started off as just one guy and then he cloned himself. But the way the cloning process works in this show is it's not necessarily like a clone in the sense that we always see in this. It kind of gives you everything. So what the clone has all your memories, it has everything you've ever been through. And that's why. Like, he always lets the other one believe it's the original because otherwise, if you're like, oh, no, like, you're the clone, like, the clone's going to go fucking nuts. Like, what am I, where am I here? Like, it eliminates that whole paradox of thinking. And it's just like, okay, if he thinks I'm a clone and I think he's a clone, like, that's fine for us. And another thing that I like about the Mauler twins is Usually when you get a character built like them, like they're, they're huge. I, I mean, I don't know height wise, but I mean, Christ, they're like what six, five, six, seven, seven foot, maybe. I mean, they're huge. Yeah. And they're they're just monstrous. They're usually not geniuses like they are in this show. No, they're usually like the brute. Got the juggernaut, the Bane kind of like, yeah. well, Bane in the comics is a genius, but like you always see him portrayed as the brute. Yeah. Like usually so, that's all it is. I, I like their character. Because they are extremely intelligent, and that plays a huge role in the, the first season. But funny thing, the actor who does the voice for him also was the Martian Manhunter. You can't tell because he has a, a different style of voice in this, but that was one of the little factoids, which I liked. Yeah, no, um, and I mean, like you said, there's so many, like, characters and like that i that like you just kind of want to learn more about and i think we'll get more in the second season mm-hmm. but like the big one for me was i don't want to mess up his name it's like battle beast or yeah battle beast is someone who i really want to learn more about like his race because i mean he fucked mark up oh yeah 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 the lion yeah oh, and that's Again, like there's no like backstory to and I'm sure, you know, they they just sign on for seasons two and three, which is awesome. But these are these characters that like he was in the end, right? Like he was at the the last episode, the season finale. They had like a shortcut scene at the end with him, like just fucking up a ton of people, which is awesome. And that like there really is so much you can just dive into. And because it's a cartoon, it could run for 20 seasons. It'd be great. But you know, you get a lot of these characters. Like I got, you know, I'm a huge Flash fan. I know you are too. So I would have liked to have seen a little bit more from the Red Rush, see what his powers really are. But, you know, so be it. I'll take what I can get. Um, you have your other comic relief, Seth Rogen as Alan the Alien, who is like basically a, uh, 
like an adjuster for each planet. Like he'll go there and fight their champions and be like, all right, like, yeah, this planet's good. They're protected. They're all right. And then go back home. And I, I don't know if it's his reading abilities or his comprehension abilities, but he keeps thinking earth is Urath and just keeps going there and getting the shit kicked out of him every time. So again, it's just one of those funny side stories. Well, that's what I wondered. I wonder if, because I remember when they first, when Mark first fights him, he's like, oh yeah, this guy's been here before. He's not that tough. So did he come the last time thinking that it was Urath or did he come before thinking it was Earth just on his thing? Because like, he didn't realize that Omni-Man was a Viltrumite because when he comes back at the end, he's like, yo, I messed up. Like there's a, there's a Viltrumite on this planet. It's not supposed to be touched. So yeah, he's clearly so, been there before. No, so I think it's a continual. He thinks Earth is Urath because he obviously keeps coming back to the same planet and he knows what he's doing, but it's every couple of years. It's like every three years or so. Right. He travels to, to Earth and fights their champions and then leaves. But I think they were not sending him to Earth because of the Viltrumite. So he kept going to Earth thinking it was a different planet and getting the shit beat out of him and not realizing that Omni-Man was a Viltrumite. Okay, that's what I was just kind of curious because I didn't know if like, okay, maybe he was coming prior to Nolan showing up on Earth and he was fighting the Defenders. And then, you know, no, then he I mean, got his Nolan, Nolan specifically says, like, or Omni-Man says like, hey, he's not that strong. Like, just go kick his ass real quick. Right, and that's why I was like, okay, is this somewhere he fought the Defenders up until Omni-Man showed up and then he might have fought, fought Omni-Man like once or twice, got his ass whooped, and then like this was just him coming back for like this, what would have been the second time maybe. Yeah. Because like it wasn't until the end of the season that he's like, yo, like we didn't realize this, but there's a Viltrumite on your planet. Like we fucked up. Your guys are off limits. So that's why I didn't know if he constantly was just making the mistake of thinking it was a different planet or if he like he came to Earth knowing, but he didn't know that Omni-Man was a Viltrumite. So he was just like, oh, they got a strong ass protector. They're good. Yeah, I just uh, the only reason I say he th always thought it was a different planet is because the second time that he comes back, like in the end of the season, he's like, yeah, like we, we fucked. Or no, it was the first time he was like, this isn't Earth. Or yeah. this is a new wrath. It's Earth. And he's like, yeah, he's like, oh, my bad. They're going to be pissed. And that's where I didn't know if that was like a one off like joke, like this time it was supposed to be Urath and he came to Earth. Or is it like every time he was supposed to go to Urath and he came to Earth? But no, like even... But even that character, like they're fighting each other and he's like, wait, timeout. He goes, wait, you're using your timeout. It's like they have rules to like yes. how it works. So like he's like, I get a timeout. He's like, if you want to use it. Yeah, like <laughs> we can do this. And then you just stop. And they start having a conversation yeah, they sit down on the rocks on, on the moon. <laughs> and then I like how they flip it at the end where it's like at the, in the first time, like he is explaining how everything works to Mark and he puts the rocks down for them to sit on. And then yeah. after, like, he comes back, he's like, there's a Viltrumite here. He's like, yeah, there's a lot I need to tell you. Sit down. Like, Mark's the one who puts <laughs> the rocks down. Yes. So I was actually just reading Seth Rogen and the other producer are developing a live action movie for Invincible. Yes. So that's probably the greatest news I've read all morning, honestly. Um, yeah, I'm super excited. Again, you know, you have your your other characters which maybe they'll do a live action version of each of these like big justice league type characters but even ezra miller was in this like he played da sinclair 
And he's basically this like super rich genius that is building like hybrid fucking robot cyborg people that are like crazy strong. D.A. Sinclair. Yep. He's wild as shit. I love that character. And I like the fact that the government is working with him at the end in order to like build an army to stop Omni-Man. God forbid he ever comes back. In the show, as the season progressed, what characters do you feel like worse for? Because obviously all these people start having like tragic stories, but like who did you feel? So I have a couple. Uh, My top two, first of all, is Mark, because Mark grew up and you see him do the flashback at the end, like everything his dad says. And basically his dad's grooming him to be a world destroyer. But you don't think that in the beginning because everything his dad says sounds like super, you know, helpful and productive and upbeat. And like, but when you like put a dark tone to everything that he says, he's like, you know, we have a, a reason to be on this planet. You know, like we're, we're here to do a special thing, a special job. Like that job is to destroy the world and like basically terraform it for Viltrum. So. I feel terrible for Mark that he grew up thinking his dad was like the greatest hero in the world. And turns out his dad was basically just waiting for the right time to murder everybody. And he was waiting for Mark to get his powers to do that because then he knew that they would be unstoppable together. Uh, Conversely, I also feel bad for Damien Darkblood, who was the demon like investigator because he, from the jump was like, yep, it's Omni man. And everyone's like, yeah, fuck you. No, it's not. Yeah, and he's like, but it is like I'm telling you, it's Omni Man. Everyone's like, no, like he's a hero. He's good. He got his ass beat too. Like, no, but he. The only reason he got his ass beat is because he was killing everyone else. Like that's why he got his ass beat. And then they ended up banishing him so he can keep his mouth shut. Right. So if I had to go my top two, obviously my top number one is also Mark. But since you went covered that, I'm not going to sit here and regurgitate that. So I would honestly say first. I would go the flip side of that coin and his mom. I could see that too. Basically because, you know, she grew up, well, not grew up, but she's been married to him. She's a tiny man and Nolan. She's got like every, like her world crumbled in a matter of minutes. Cause I'm taking that fight the same as kind of like the Dragon Ball Z type where like everyone makes fun of it. Frieza's like the world's going to be destroyed or uh, Namek's going to be destroyed in five minutes and it goes on for like a 30 minutes of fighting but the way it was supposed to be interpreted is they're moving so fast yeah that it's really only the five minutes so for me i feel like they kind of did that kind of time stamp here with that fight just with how fast mark's fucking traveling just by that one punch that shoots him like two continents away through a building down four streets and shit yeah but like basically like he's fighting he's like well what about mom he's like your mom's a pet and i'm like damn like i I get i get where he's coming from like when like when you live for that long you lose joy in things and you take things for granted but to call her like a pet and he's even when he's bashing his face and he's like he's like what's another 17 years he's like i could have another kid like (laughs) yeah but like it just shows that literally everything in his life is expendable. And I mean, for someone, especially a human who's mortal, who doesn't have powers for her to have her world come crumbling down like that. I just felt so bad. And then the other one for me, honestly, is just because I don't know exactly how her powers work, but duplicate. 
Okay. Because, I mean, I can't even count how many of her clones get murdered. So I don't know if the clones have memories and stuff like that. Cause so, like, if she, so, like, if she clones so. herself once, but that original dies, does the clone fade or does the clone become the new original? No. So if you look at the fight scene when they're fighting the uh, alien invasion, so she yeah. has an, a one on her chest. When okay. she clones, a two appears on the chest. But if she gets, if number one gets killed, number two becomes number one. Okay, because that's where I was curious. Because I, I know during that fight, she's like, they're killing me faster than I can like recreate. So that's where for me, I'm like, so is she just what, like, because I know the Maul twins, the, when they clone, like they have a telepathic link. Because mm-hmm. when they're fighting robot, he says, he's like, the good thing about having a clone is, he knows what I'm thinking when they're building the giant portal gun. Yeah. Like in interchangeably, like they're just grabbing random scraps, but they're both working towards a common goal. Yes. So for me, I'm like, is duplicate just witnessing herself getting murdered 9 million times through this season? Or yeah. are they separate uh, I, consciousness? So it doesn't necessarily explain it, but I guess based solely on their cloning, you know, theory for this show I would assume they all have the same consciousness because again, they're interchangeable. So if she clones herself seven times and six of the seven get destroyed, except for number seven, number seven just becomes number one. And that's where I figured it was all the same consciousness. Yeah. So I think again, that makes it more, her more of an effective fighter. Cause if she's thinking like, you know, each person do a different type of attack and like, you know, she has a a very unique skill set. So. Right. And for me, like if they have separate consciousnesses, I feel like it, it's not as bad. But if they all have the same, literally, yeah, well, like you're just witnessing yourself getting not even like beat, like you're getting murdered multiple times. <laughs> well, that, that was actually like her like escape plan a few times was to just drop a fucking a clone and run. Right. Like. And that's what I mean. So like it kind of goes into like the movie, the prestige. Like, I never know if I'm going to be the man in the box or if I'm going to be the man in the stands. Yeah. Like if I'm going to be the prestige. And so it's kind of like, Oh shit. Like, is, is this my time to go? And if so, like, do I live on through that clone or am I just gone? And now the clone is me. So that was actually where I was. Yeah. And that's where I was always cause. And then in the fight in, um, What's his name? Uh, he's pretty machine head. When they fight machine head, the one dude literally like has like three clones. And he slams them all back together. So that's where I, it made me think it's a common consciousness. But either way, like those yeah. for me are the two people I think have it the worst outside of Mark through this entire like season. Yeah. Well, that's why I said I had a bunch of them, but obviously I feel like Mark is the most. I, I, you know, fucked up character, I guess, throughout the entire show. And, you know, you could take the girl, hell, uh, Monster Girl. She's 24 years old, but she looks like she's 12 because every time she uses her powers, she like she's Benjamin Button. All right. She's constantly getting younger. So, like, again, every character sort of has their their fatal flaw or, you know, their tragic story to them. So I could go on for fucking days about every character. But right. I think my top two. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Mark's obviously number one, like hands down. Right. No, and that's the same for me. I just didn't want to just re-explain everything you did. But yeah, 
Yeah, but overall, um, that's pretty much all I have on this episode. So, Steve, final ratings out of 10 for this. For I'm, I'm going to give it a nine. Like, I, I'm sticking with a solid nine out of 10. Um, again, for me, I just I like a little more backstory, but I got seasons two and three coming up. So maybe we'll get that there. That's the only thing I can nitpick because a lot of these characters, they left a lot of questions about, which is fine. You know, I'm just super fucking nitpicky. Yeah. Um, and obviously they killed off the Red Rush, who's the Flash, and he's my favorite. So fuck him. Yeah. I mean, for me, I would definitely give it either a nine or a 9.5 out of 10. And for me, I kind of want to see, I kind of don't want to see Omni-Man next season until like the end, if they're going to bring him back. I want to see them fight all those other minor villains to kind of build Mark up to the point that, because I mean, in the season finale, he can't compete with his dad. Like it's, it's plain and simple. Like he can't. So I want to see them build it to the point to where he either forms a team that can fight off the other Voltramites along with his dad, or he can at least stand up to them on his own. But I agree. And what I hope they do, you know, the Voltramites, they like bring back an army like to fight. And that's like, you know, that's your season finale. Like that's the end of the season, even the end of the season finale episode, which leads into season three. Cause that's again, that, that fucking super fucking asshole clenching cliffhanger that they're going to leave yeah. you with. I mean, I don't think they'll bring back an army. I can see them doing it more like a Zod, kind of like just like a task force first. Sure. And then an army, just because with how powerful they are, I feel like they're overconfident. They'll be like, oh, we don't need that many. If Omni-Man took out this entire squad by himself. Like, Yeah, well, I, we- I didn't necessarily mean, you know, a thousand of them, but, right. uh, you know, definitely a... Uh, well, they're terraforming. They're going to need that many anyway. Yeah. But no, I get where you're coming from, too. So but that's all but, I got. Yeah, that's all I got, too. Uh, guys, as always, let us know what you think. If you've seen Invincible, you know, connect with us online. Let us know your thoughts, feelings, who your favorite and least favorite characters were. We're always open to suggestions and listening to what you guys have to say. Uh, give us a listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. As always, thank you for hosting us. All of your major streaming apps, we're all on there. We are on Instagram and Facebook at Something Super Podcast and on Twitter at SS Podcast 52. So we are on all social media sites right now. Give us a like, give us a follow. Talk to us. We'll talk back to you. We're always here. Um, you know, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve. I'm Mark. And we'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>